You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. you doing welcome to episode 112 a of tales with tr i'm your host terry ryan junior that is terry ryan senior will be with me tomorrow in buffalo new york for the chicklets cup looking forward to that we had a blast last time in las vegas and some people have been laughing saying oh buffalo's not vegas i love buffalo I really do. I think it's a great size. And he, that's pretty vague. It's a great size. The hell am I talking about? I enjoy the size of Buffalo. Um, not that I don't like hanging in L.A. or Chicago, Toronto, New York once in a while. All those uh, cities have lots to do and are fun for many reasons. A lot of people say they're either a country person or a city person. I know I'm kind of both. I don't like only to surround myself in one environment for too long. I like to go back and forth. My place in Mount Pearl is country style living within the city. And uh, I can totally see how living in a smaller, very much smaller rural community would, would have its advantages. But I, I like the big city once in a while. But Buffalo 
is a great mix, man. It's uh, not too big, not too small. Decent weather. Absolutely beautiful. Lots of trees. The patios um, in town. And lots of nice places to eat. I mean, I, I've i actually been there in the winter more, um, especially for hockey for different reasons. Not always like to play, but, uh, you know, with its proximity to Canada. I've often gone over in the summertime in uh, the recent past. When I go to Toronto, I just, yeah, I just really like it. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been there a lot in the winter, but you know, you're in and you're out. Uh, I really enjoyed, I did play one of my NHL games there. That was a lot of fun. The fans in Buffalo are knowledgeable fans. I remember, uh, you know, we went there a few times. I guess they were in our division back then. And a couple times they would call a few of us up around that time uh, to practice. And uh, we kind of knew we weren't playing, but they'd take us on maybe a trip to Ottawa, Buffalo, Friday, Saturday. Just to get to know the area. The plan was, of course, we were going to play there in years to come, back in the late 90s. And that didn't really come to fruition. Now it did it, but... Um, I enjoyed all that time and more than once we headed over to Buffalo and uh, I went to see Springsteen there once. I remember that Uh, anytime I go to Niagara Falls, which is quite a bit, if I'm, (laughs) I sound like a tourist, but I just love it there. Mm. And it's not far from Toronto and I'm there a lot. So if I want to break the monotony, which is tough to do in Toronto because there is so much, so many sports and events and just hanging out restaurants. I love uh, so many great concert venues. Exhibition Grounds, I think, is uh, one of them in Toronto. And uh, kind of an outdoor man-made or naturally made amphitheater on the grass, wherever that is, you Torontonians know what I'm talking about. I've gone to see a lot of concerts there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not usually stuck for things to do in Toronto, but I love Buffalo and I go over there quite a bit. That's that. Um, so anyway, I'll explain what this is. So the Chicklets Cup, most of you know what I'm talking about because you watch Spit and Chicklets, you listen to Spit and Chicklets, and that's how you found my show. Some people found my show through Shorzy, and I know in places like Australia, Czech Republic, Finland, I have quite a few listeners, and again, I'm assuming you guys know, but if you don't, I'll take you on a crash course of what's about to happen. Spitting Chicklets are one of the biggest sports podcasts in North America. They're the biggest hockey podcast by a landslide, I would think. I'm looking at the numbers quite frequently, and... Also, when I go on, you know, I've gone on a lot of programs, whether it's the NHL, Sirius Satellite Network with Mick Kern, or uh, Primetime Sports with Bob McCowan, or some iteration of that, Tim and Sid, TSN, Sportsnet, uh, local stuff all across the country and the world. And when I go on Chicklets, I find there's a huge response. Chicklets fans are... Like Shorzy fans or Letterkenny fans, those who know, know, and they're really into it. 
And I appreciate that. And they, they, those kind of fans tend to remain loyal. Hence, I'm talking to a lot of them right now. Uh, so for the small portion that doesn't know, that's it. So Chicklets asked me, me to be on their show. I, I listened f- almost from day one. I was listening before Biz Nasty was even on it. And uh, shortly after Biz joined, I think it was the springtime, 17 maybe, maybe 18, but it was around then. They asked me to come on, and I, and I didn't. I hadn't met any of them before, but you know, s- stories get around, I guess. And their buddy Teddy Purcell is a good buddy of mine from Newfoundland. And uh, anyway, one thing led to another. Teddy recommended they interview me and my father, and they did multiple times, and we became friends. And then, of course, we, that evolved into Shorzy and or doing Shorzy with RA, uh, and then a couple of events with Biz in Toronto, public speaking events. So I would have run into them eventually, anyway, as it turns out. But each time, you know, we'd, we'd keep in touch and we didn't really talk about business matters or anything like that. But Biz would always say, you know, you're a beauty. I'll be in touch. And I think the same of him. We have a lot in common, a lot in common. Um, on and off the ice. I mean, even as players, we have a lot in common. So, yeah, we became friends. And uh, about a year ago, there was a Chicklets Cup, in, in which is a ball hockey tournament. They choose to go three on three. OK. Uh, and it was in Detroit. I watch some of it online. I pay attention to chicklets and what goes down in that universe because I'm indirectly part of it. They got crushed. And um, for those that don't know, so they got crushed. And someone said at the end of the tournament, told Biz, you know, you should have Terry involved. Now, the reason he said that, I've got, I've played ball hockey a long time. And as on the national team, um, but that's just the one part of it. I, I've got a lot of international contacts I've put on. You know, I've promoted it all over the world on some level. I play Masters now. I still enjoy it. Uh, masters on the national team, which is over 34. Uh, and I played on the regular men's team for a decade and a half. I got myself three world championships, uh, a bronze and a silver, and a couple of national championships. So one with Montreal, one with Newfoundland. We won one in Newfoundland in 2010. So... And it's hard to do. It's very, very, those who know ball hockey, it's not a joke. It's, we don't play outdoors in a parking lot. The rules are similar to ice hockey, but once you, once you get the, once you gain the blue line, it's called a floating blue line. Once you gain the blue line, you can bring it all the way back to the red line and use the whole half of the rink as the offensive zone. So it opens up. It's harder to run and, and, and stay with somebody defensively than it is to, to skate, obviously. So, it takes a lot of hard work. I mean, there's, I'd say there's no hitting, but you got no gear on and there is rubbing out along the boards and there's no open ice hitting, but even there it happens and you can't really wear a lot of gear. At least I can't because uh, of the heat, the heat gets me in ball hockey before the cardio or the legs. And that's just something you got to deal with because it's played more in the summer than anything. So anyway, we went back. Biz called me in November, December. I was up doing Shorzy with RA in Sudbury and said, you know, hey, you're in. Uh, I am in the Hall of Fame, too, if you could believe that. Uh, I think I just mentioned that toot my own horn here again. But that is the case. So I know. And it's not the Hall of Fame isn't. I, I, I mean, it is based on my playing, but through being an ambassador for Newfoundland and Canada sports all over the world. 
I've got my finger on the pulse. I know a lot of these people, right? I know who we're playing. I know who No Space is. I know, as I was looking at Detroit, I saw a lot of my buddies play that I play with at the Worlds or, or against at the Worlds and Nationals. So Biz, anyway, asked me to assemble a team or a few guys. It wasn't so much the whole team in, in February for the Chicklets Cup in Vegas. So I did. And it was some of the best players I know are playing ice hockey. The two best young players that I know are Marcus Power and Zach O'Brien. And anybody in the ball hockey world knows who I'm talking about. They go to the Canadian Nationals and absolutely light it up, which isn't easy. We've got, if you can believe it, a half dozen silvers in 10 years. We never got the gold where we did in 2010 before the boys were playing. Now I'm rambling. But anyway, they play for the Newfoundland Growlers, uh, signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, okay? And so they were... Cody Donahue's another guy, great player. I can go down the list. So, but I did. I grabbed Connor Donahue, who's one of the best players in the world, plays for Team Canada, just won a Worlds a month ago. Bobby Hauser is the best American player I've ever personally played against. And uh, Dustin Kelly, last time, hurt his knee, but uh, played with me on Team Canada a few years. We went down and we, uh, you know, we had a pretty, Decent squad. Uh, Biz brought a few players and, and nothing against them, but I, I don't think they realized. Like Matt Murley went down and gave us all. But you got to train. Ice hockey isn't ball hockey. And uh, there is something to be said for being a ball hockey player. You can't just assemble a team full of ice hockey players. I don't care who you get. Um, ball hockey is its own sport. So, And we didn't have a goalie. God love Trevor Gretzky. He's a great shortstop in baseball, but he, he hadn't played goal before, especially in that heat. No space killer. And company dissected us. We lost. We made it to the final, but we lost. So Biz said, okay, we're going to do another one in the summer in Buffalo. Let's work on what we need to work on, on and off the floor. So everything from content to the way we're going to present the videos, which is content, I guess, to the organization of it all. You know, it's an evolution. It's a process. Now, this will be the third Chicklets Cup, the second that I'm involved in. And I'm bringing this time... A few more guys. Biz gave me. It's going to be Biz, Ali Pasanen, Jacob Ardown from the, you know, the boys there. Uh, and they're going to have their line. They're going to give us some defense. They're going to go out there when spotted. Uh, and the first two lines are going to be myself, Bobby Hauser, Connor, Jeremy Bishop, who's a legend, Justin Pender, who's a legend and is actually suspended for life. You can check out the link. Google Justin Pender ball hockey. See what happens. But a great player, too. But I had to bring some toughness. Now, Remy Laurencel, uh, who's plays for Winnipeg, Manitoba in the Nationals, but also just got chosen for Team Canada, and along with Connor, won a world championship a month ago. That is, the worlds have nothing to do with the Chicklets Cup, obviously. It's just where I'm getting my players. Now, this is my beef with Nosepace. Sure, you saw, a lot of you saw the Instagram post that I made calling him out. And they're like, is that real or is it like wrestling? You're getting them on the go. Kind of a mix. I am pissed off. Of course, I can't threaten someone with a stick and actually put them into the ER or I'm going to get sued. Um, but I am going to play hard against that fuck. And I do have toughness coming with me, not in the terms of fighting, but toughness comes in all forms. JP, myself, Jeremy, all of us. I can go down the list again. I won't. And we have a real goalie who's won a national championship, played fucking four years, major junior college pro, all that and Evan Mosher. But the guys I brought are gritty. They're pretty good. Um, 
Last time, No Space chose to wear no shin pads, I believe. I, I wouldn't be doing that against us this time. Because each time the ball, and something in ball hockey, you catch the odd person not wearing shin pads. I don't mind saying it. The ball lands around their shins, then I just whack at it. Sorry, ball was there. I wait for the opportunity to do that just ahead of time. <laughs> if you're listening, No Space, that's I'm not kidding from that perspective. If you don't wear them, your shins are going to be real hurt because I'm going to aim for them. And I'll tell you why, No Space, I'm going to aim for them. I'll tell everybody else. The reason that I have a beef is because no space won in Detroit. I wasn't there. None of us were there. He won pretty handily. Then in February, of course, with a bit of an improved team, I took three players. We did a little bit better. We made the final, but he gassed us. I think it was nine to two. Mercy rule is in, uh, after seven goals. But again, we had some improvements. It seemed like they were way better. He calls himself the 99 of fucking ball hockey too, which is really, really fucking, oh God, so cocky and presumptuous and disrespectful. He's done nothing. Anyway, fucking bronze medal this year. Give me a fucking break. Um, but anyway, so he already had a team. I assembled a team full of buddies that I've gone to war with. yes. Um, they've won national and world championships, but that's my buddies, right? That's it. Biz asked me to bring them. I mean, they're largely from Newfoundland. Bobby Hauser has been a friend for a long time. He's from Leo Minster in the United States, but it's not like I hand plucked him out of nowhere. I know Bobby Remy. I've played against him and with him for years. Uh, everybody else is from Newfoundland who I've won a national championship with. And we go every year and we bleed together and sweat together, man. And we drink together. And we're hung over together and we go on the trips together. We love each other. That's who I'm bringing. Nose face cut guys that he just smoked us with. Now he just fucking smoked us. And he's the face of it. He cut guys. And you know, his buddies that he brought last time like to be on ch spitting chiclets at w as well, but he cut them. And he went to the, and again, the, the ISBHF, the International Street and Ball Hockey Federation World Championship was one month ago, June, late June in Montreal. Connor and Remy were on that team, Canada that won. USA, no space and company got bronze. Not bad. I congratulated him. But he went at that tournament. So everybody knows what's about to happen. And he handpicked players that he doesn't even know just to beat us. I think that's fucking gutless. He doesn't even know them. There is no, I mean, anybody could have done that. I could have done that in February. I'm not saying I'm bringing bad players. I'm bringing all champions and great players that have all played for the national team or the provincial team here in Newfoundland and have all won a world championship, been in the dance. JP got a bronze, I think, at the Worlds. In 2013, we won bronze. He was on that team. Um, guys got nationals. Anyway, what I'm saying is that I've got buddies. I'm taking the best of buddies that I know, which is what I thought No Space was doing. And we already have a good team. But I wasn't going to pick guys off the Slovaks or Greece or Italy or Czech Republic that I don't know. Then it becomes selfish. Now, No Space, you're being a dick. You're trying to put yourself at the center of everything. Your buddies, and it, it, to me, it, it, that did piss me off. That turned my stomach a little bit.
your buddies here are going to have to go home and watch on TV who, who played with you and sweat with you in Las Vegas that are great players and in Detroit. But because you've got the mic and Biz and myself, we, we see your taunts and we try to match it. It's not all about you, man. Well, I guess it is. I guess from your perspective, it is. And that's an argument. But I'm representing old school team mentality, team first buddies, blood, sweat and fucking tears, man. So that's why I was pissed off. Now I'm bringing world-class players too. You guys might be younger, but that's where the fucking sticks come in. And that's why I said that. How do you slow down a bunch of young legs with the fucking lumber, man? Like Shorzy says. What does he say? Um, fucking. Oh, Jesus. Run him up, fill him in. On the show, can remember. Um, run them up, fill them in, man, and that's it. No space. If you're going to do that, then you have to respect. You have to expect a comeback from a champion such as myself. How do you think champions get there? And when I say champion, I'm not talking about the Chicklets Cup. You small-minded motherfucker. A little tournament, three on three. It's all fun, and I'm going to grab. We're, we're, we want to win this on pride, and I love that it's all out there. But a real. <laughs> When it really comes to it, no space. You're tagged the 99 of ball hockey on your Instagram. That's bullshit. You've won fuck all. Like I said, I got three world championships, two fucking national championships, Canadian nationals too. None of this American bullshit. Nothing against my USA fans. Thanks you. Thank you very much for tuning in and everything else. Canadian nationals. I think you, you, it's, it's like ice hockey. USA evolved, and now they're pretty much a parallel. But the Canadian Nationals, I still put ahead of the American Nationals. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, no need to piss anybody else. Sorry, that was a bit of a slight to the USA. Sorry about that. Great ball hockey players down there. I'm getting carried away because of nose face. But you've won fuck all, and you're nobody. So maybe lay off the fucking cocky shit. Learn how to really win. Anyway, Justin Pender, check it out. He's going to fucking lay the lumber on you, baby. And his shot's 109 miles an hour, so good luck. Hope you got a fucking goalie who can live up to it. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, so that's that, the Chicklets Cup. Moving on. I got an e-bike this week, and it's a game changer. Just want to throw that out there. It's called Max E-Bike. It goes 32 kilometers an hour. Now, they say you can take the governor off. I don't even know where. I don't even know what a governor actually is. I know it sets the tone. puts a limit on how fast you can go, but I only heard the word. I wouldn't know what it looked like. But anyway, I don't even know if I need to. I'm zipping around town, man. I love this thing. Uh, and the, the kind I got is a bike, like not you can get the scooter looking thing or the motorbike looking thing, but I don't have to have the power assist on if I don't want to. So I take it for a ride, get some exercise. Then maybe at the end of, oh, I don't know, 10 or 20 kilometers on the bike, um, throw it on power assist, go get the groceries, whatever, put it in my backpack. Um, in this day and age of the fucking gas being so much, and I live right on a trail, like in the middle of... It's like an, uh, yeah, just a, 
I live on a highway of trails, like right in the hub of it. So I don't need to take it on the road at all. I'm having a great time. Highly recommend it. E-bike all the way. If anybody was on the fence, mine again is called Max E-bike. What kind is it though? That's it. That's all it says on it. I'm looking at it now. Um, Anyway, I'll take a picture and post it, but it's a game changer. It's fucking unbelievable. Uh, just random thoughts. So I get, I'm on the set of Hudson and Rex the other day, TV show I work on here and there. And this week I was being a stand-in, which means when the actors are all, you basically stay, yeah, you stand in for them. And people are like, what, what are you talking about? Why do you stand in for them? Well, when you're about to do a scene, right, they, got, they have to set it up. The lighting and the grips, which is like where to put the lights for lack, lack of a really, lack of a better way to explain it because I'll be here all day. You know how I ramble. Grips is like, you know, levels and, and, and you know, how to put the camera and the lights where you're going to put it. And you have little, little tools that you can kind of manipulate. Each scene, even if you're doing the same scene from a different angle, requires different lighting. And that's big. So you generally, if someone is the same height and weight of an actor that's going to do the scene, they go in as a stand-in. Uh, and I love doing that because you learn a lot. I learned everything I know about stuff that goes on at Ground Zero on a film set from being a stand-in because you're right there. You're listening to the head DP or the director of phot photography. He's called the DP. You're listening to the lighting people, the grips people, the camera. You're listening to the directors, the ADs, which is the assistant directors. It's all going down right around you. So if you keep your ears open and you pay attention, you can figure out, you know, what a wide shot means, uh, you know, the different levels of lighting. You can You can figure out how many different angles, how many cameras you're going to use, right? There's rarely are you using one camera. We often use two or three, often three. So, and once you do a shot, you have to do the turnaround. Usually, usually there are exceptions to all this, but what I'm saying is that a lot of different, if you're the same height and complexion as the person, so I'm standing in for Johnny Reardon, who plays Charlie on Hudson and Rex, and I might throw on, I don't know, sometimes a wig, but not often, or a hat if he's wearing one. Uh, yesterday, he had a navy blue suit on, so I wore my navy blue hoodie. You know, you want the lighting to work, and you get talk. And anyway, so that's what I've been doing. Fuck, do I ramble? The last few days, and uh, in between, I throw on my headphones, and I got one ear in them, one ear out, listening to when I get called again, because you are standing around for a large part of the day, but when you're as work, but then they come and do the scene. So, you know, like, okay, I, I, now I know I have at least 20 minutes, sometimes two hours, but so I'll listen to podcasts, whatnot. Um, I'm, I'm writing all day or I'm doing a cameo and I'm figuring it out, you know, listening to uh, different takes that I've done, whatever it might be. I need my headphones. So I bought these noise canceling headphones. Like, I don't know three months ago, maybe more, maybe more than that. And although they don't go as loud as I would like, fuck, man, I went to Best Buy. I said, dude, I just want to listen to tunes. I want them pumping. It's like, well, these are great. I'm like, I, unless I can check the volume, you know, I, I'm just going to take your word for it. He gave them to me. They're all right. 
the volume doesn't go loud enough. And that's a problem. If anybody has an, any idea which, and I don't know which ones to get. There's not many. Um, my daughter has some of those Beats, Beats audio or whatever, which is supposed to be great, but they don't go loud enough for me, at least not these ones. So now I'm wary to get any of them. If anybody knows something with, doesn't have to be even great sound. It needs to be loud. I'd rather if it was great sound, but it seems to me the better the like specific sound is, you got to give that up in volume. Anyway, so I got it on and, and I'm tapping on the headphone itself. There's a volume button and I think I'm tapping it, but I accidentally tap another button. It says noise canceling. And I'm like, Jesus, they're noise canceling headphones. Wouldn't it just be on noise canceling? Another setting is normal. And another setting is transparency. And the lady or the, the robot voice is a girl. And, and I'm going, what? And she's going noise canceling. I'm going, yeah, they're noise canceling headphones. I'm talking to my fucking headphones. But so there's settings. And I'm like, settings? My question, and I can't figure it out. And usually it's a simple Google search. But I can't figure it out. Why is there another setting? They're noise-canceling headphones. When I, when I accidentally hit the button, now I think I've been listening to noise-canceling headphones for the last three or four months, ever since I've gotten them. But apparently it was just on the normal setting or the transparency or whatever, whatever that means. But both of them sound like it's 1985, right? Like both of them sound terrible. And then the noise-canceling, all of a sudden, it does exactly what it advertises. It cancels out everything. You can hear a fucking pin drop. Again, I wish it was louder, but it sounds incredible, especially the podcast. I mean, I can hear them breathing. I can literally hear people breathing through their nose as I'm listening to the podcast or their, their, their guest speak. It's fucking phenomenal. But my question is, why is it a setting? Why would I want it on the other settings? Like, you know, like my car has... Sphere like has round tires. Why would I want the square ones? They're not going to work as much. Uh, you know, like if I'm leaving the house and it's cold and I bought a winter jacket, why would I wear my T-shirt? That's a bad way to put it. Let me think of a fucking actual analogy that makes sense. Say I go to buy a new cell phone. Now, there's all kinds of apps you can get, and there's settings on the cell phone, right? I mean, I'm not saying why are there settings on anything. Of course, like I said, these particular headphones are there's called Sound, Sound Pro, Sound. Anyway, I'll get the name in a second. Um, actually, fuck, I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to get it right now. Just one second. Sound Life, Sound Core Life Tune Pro. That's the headphones I got. So. Now, there's other, there has to be other, like Skip Song, um, you know, Volume. Of course, there's those settings. If I get a cell phone, of course, there's settings. Do you want the, how do you want your display? Day, night setting, whatever it is, black, fucking background, white, I, I don't know. But it should always be on, like, the setting that I can text, right? Like, it's like if my phone had a setting to 1989 where none of the features worked. But, this, but the, the phone actually worked. Well, I know that I can 
do that anyway. I can use the phone. So why would it need to be a setting? I'm assuming that the fucking phone I'm buying, it's 2022. I can use the internet and I can type into it if I want to text somebody. You don't have to have a setting. Put it on text now available. I just don't understand it. It's part of the technology. Does my computer have a typewriter setting? Can I just make this more inconvenient for a little bit, please? I'd like a typewriter. Like, I bought the headphones. They're noise-canceling headphones. The other two settings are fucking horrible, honestly. It's like I have on a... I, I remember I used to play my Game Boy in the early 90s and have those fucking stupid headphones with the foam outside the ear that didn't get close to your ear. They would be hanging off your earlobe, big loose over your fucking hat. You're on the head... The airplane, you can't hear anything. You have to turn the volume up to max level, and all you can hear is the beat in the background. There's no bass. There's no shit. The plane fucking stops, and you realize, oh, I thought this was fucking too unlimited. I was listening to Technotronic the whole time. Holy fuck, did I pick out two fucking dated bands there? Do you even call them bands? That was the beginning of the fucking dance digital movement. But anyway, you know what I'm fucking saying. I just find it odd. Why you would have the regular setting versus the noise canceling when it's 2022, they're noise canceling headphones. I bought them. They sound unbelievable with the noise canceling and shitty without it. When would I be in a situation that I say, you know what? Give me some shitty sound. I just don't get it. Maybe there's an obvious answer and I've just wasted 10 minutes. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. As a Canadian, I know I'll always be throwing money down on the Blue Jays. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Moving on. Okay, there's a guy, Darren Van Dam. He's going to be a guest soon. He has a YouTube channel called Flick Connection. He also is Instagram. I mean, he has like 100,000 Instagram followers, I think, just from this YouTube thing. I know it's not all about followers. That's silly. But what I'm saying is. He he's grown a huge audience. I used to watch this it, again. It's split connection. What he does. Is recommend movie. He's a critic, right? He's a critic. Now, often I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes, but I find on anything and Rotten Tomatoes is usually pretty spot on. It really is. A lot of people say, well, it's never right. I don't know. Then you probably don't know what you're talking about. I think there's exceptions, though. Exceptions. Horror films, comedy films aren't always interpreted the right way. Well, that's my opinion. But I, I mean, when, it, when I say interpreted, I mean someone or some group at Rotten Tomatoes is deciding whether it's a good review or a bad review, right? So... If the bad review is like some movie, I don't know, say Jurassic Park. There you go. There's a great example. The most recent one only got like 35%. 
but the big, the, the big knocks on it were, oh, it's too repetitive or yeah, like it's all been done before. Um, this isn't that much better than the one that came out in 1996 or whatever it is, you know, and, and 30 years have gone by. But so say to Penny Lane, who didn't see the first one, that's not really a criticism. I could see if you said the movie, you know, it was nothing, no one delivered. Chris Pratt sucked. It had no storyline. The fucking CGI looked horrible. And I just couldn't get into it. To me, that's a negative review. But, you know, it's all kind of subjective. So, and the same with comedy. Look at all your favorite comedies on there. Rotten Tomatoes will often have them. And back before it existed, like I used to think, What About Bob was the funniest movie ever. I think it got like, you know, 40%. Fuck, I thought that was hilarious. But again, the criticisms were like, Oh, I don't know. That, that's probably a bad example. What about Bob got a bit better? But um, I don't know. Another one that I found funny. Very bad things. I find that hilarious. You probably don't know the movie I'm talking about. Please look it up. That got raked because it was too crude. But, you know, I mean, here we are talking about spitting chicklets. Crude. I mean, that's all subjective. Uh, horror. I like those Saw movies. As far as a horror franchise come on like at least they make you think like i'm comparing the first few saw movies with like friday the 13th and friday the 13th uh nightmare on elm street halloween all these movies while there are great there's something to be said for those they get this major respect from the horror community the exorcist now that's deadly there are the shining there are classic great horror films that i like but I find those first Saw movies, I, I do. I find them great, and they get nothing. They get like 10%. I don't get it. Are people, I don't know. What their point is to scare you, and if you actually throw some thought into it, I find that creative. I find them creative. Now, of course, they get repetitive, as all horror films or franchises do when you get the number eight and nine and shit. But even there, they make you think. But man, do, do I ramble. Um but anyway, so I started watching Flick Connection and Darren Van Dam will, he seems to be a mental parallel from when it comes to the way I approach films and the films that I like. So, films, I sound like some kind of fucking thespian. Movies, movies. So, Darren, and, and a lot of the foreign language stuff, which I never watched before. If I, before I go any further, there's a movie Furiosa. Furiosa. Uh, it's the latest. It's, I guess, soccer hooligans. It's about kind of soccer hooligans and what goes down. You don't have to know anything about soccer, though. There's, there's a side story. Think like maybe gangs outside of that. Not quite, but, but anyway. Uh, subtitled and everything, and I loved it. Um, and there are a few of those. I think Before the Storm is another one. Or Beyond the Ice. And anyway, you have to check out Flick Connection. But this guy recommends them. They're pretty, and, and they don't always work, but I really like his stuff, and he's gained a huge following. He's getting bigger and bigger, and I reached out to him, and he's actually coming on the show. So I'm really looking forward to that, and that will be soon enough. I just figured I'd want to... I hope people know what I'm laying down. We're not always going to have hockey guests, and I'm really excited to have Darren on. So I'm mentioning it now because he's going to come on in a few weeks, and if you want to get yourself immersed uh, or at least half familiar with Darren's stuff, Flick Connection, Darren Van Dam, DVD.
appropriately. But uh, anyway, that's that. He's a good fella. Highly recommend, highly watching his uh, recommendations because they're often either so far off the map they're not rated at all, but he'll give you a new spin on maybe an old take that uh, it'll make you rethink not only the way you watch these movies you haven't seen, but movies that you've already watched. Uh, the last thing I'll say, I don't know, Speed, the movie Speed, Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock back in the day, Dennis Hopper. Well, I mean, I watched it in the 90s. And at the time, I'm like a bus that can't go less than 50 kilometers an hour. It sounded so cheesy. And I watched it, and it was popcorn fluff at the time. But now, over 20 years later, Darren recommended it. Of course, and I'm like, yeah, I've seen this before. But he's like, you know, some of these movies, if you haven't seen, you got to watch again. Watched it again. Fucking classic. Fucking classic. From the acting to the way it's all done. It's so creative. I think it almost was a game changer. Um, speed two was fucking horrible, but the first speed and one of Dennis Hopper's late roles is deadly. Penny Lane and I watched it. She loved it. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Darren Van Dam, a little Darren Van Dam and flick connection. You can't go wrong. I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but Evan Purcell, Evan, Evan Purcell, a big fan of the St. John's caps and, uh, of mine, of the Habs, mine in general. Evan comes every week. He's going to be there. I'm skating in just over an hour at Twin Rinks with the boys, and Evan's going to be there asking for my stick and Zach's stick. Luke Adams skates with us, Clark Bishop. Alex Newhook might be there today, to be honest. Stanley Cup champ. Anyway, Evan will be there an hour early. He'll put his skates on. He'll go out. He'll whirl around the ice. He'll have his Habs jersey, and he'll hang around the dressing room until we go out there and... Uh, Ask everybody for a stick, get a few autographs, and then come back next week. And uh, Evan and I shared a Pepsi together on a patio downtown on the pedestrian walk in St. John's. Just beautiful. Lots of patios now. More than ever. They shut off all the traffic downtown. It's a walker's paradise. Anyway, I run into Evan once in a while down there, and I promised him I would, have, I would mention this on the podcast. Evan, we really appreciate it. And I know sometimes you get down. I see your Facebook posts. But everybody gets down, man. Everybody gets down. I get down a lot. Even right now, I'm so fucking pumped to go to the Chicklets Cup. So pumped. Also just bought an e-bike I talked about that I love. Yeah, that was, that was uh, quite pricey. I've got two bills that just came today, and I thought I had them paid. Um, relationships. No one's infallible. No one is... Uh, immune to relationship woes. I see you have a few of them. I mean, I'm divorced twice. I don't talk about it much, right? But in order for that to happen, you got to get pretty down. Everybody gets anxiety and depression to some degree. So you're not alone. Um, you're a great guy. When people see you, for the most part, they smile. They're happy. They're positive. That says something about you, buddy. And I will get you a stick. As long as I'm paying for them, no. <laughs> You're not getting a stick that I just bought at Sportscraft for 300 and something dollars. Now, I'm working with True, and uh, I'm going to talk to the people at True and try to get you something 
whether it's a pair of gloves or a stick. Uh, I appreciate your fandom. I appreciate you listening. And we're going to try to get you something. But don't stand out Sportscraft when I just bought outside of Sportscraft when I just bought a stick. I draw the line there. But uh, I kid as much as anything. I'm working with True now. And of course, I'll get you a stick, Evan. But what you want is one of my old patterns. You don't want one of these new generic sticks. Right? Because you said you want to put it on your wall. So you want to get one of my old Sherwoods I used back in the day. Sherwood 2020, I think they were, or 2200. I don't know. Stay tuned. I don't even remember. But back back then, they used to come a dozen at a time. And they were wood, so they weighed quite a bit. And uh, I often wouldn't break out, break, break them off. They would just wear out. You'd look at the bottom of the stick after three weeks or so, and it'd just be wet and split and heavy. And they'd get heavier as the time went because the actual stick would soak up some of the water from the ice. And people wonder why we weren't toe dragging. Um, I often said, people are like, well, you know, the goalie sucked in the 80s. I'm like, I'd love to see Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux with a fucking one piece and no hooking and holding and three on three in overtime. No one ever brings up those parts of it. Anyhow, Evan, you're a good guy. You're a good friend. You're a great person. People like you. Stay positive. Everybody has bad times. And lastly, if I can say one thing, you don't have to post on Facebook when you're having a bad time, right? You can if you want, but it often, I'm reading it, and it tends to make you more upset. It's just my two cents. And everybody out there doesn't need to know your business all the time, right? Um because you're not unique to that. So if, if three times in a week you're having a bad day, it's not the worst day you've ever had. It's often workable stuff. If you need to talk sometime I'm here, I work through it. I run a gamut of emotions every day. What you hear, what you see, I like doing this, so I'm in a happy place. When you see me post things on Instagram, I'm choosing to do that. I'm choosing the happy things. I'm choosing... What promotes my podcast? I'm choosing to talk about the Chicklets Cup because it makes people happy. Right? But I'm not going to choose to talk about, well, sometimes I will, but a minor health problem I had yesterday and had to see the doctor. That kind of was scary for a bit, but now it's okay. See what I'm getting at? Now live with that kind of stuff for a week before your doctor's appointment there. That's making a bit anxious, right? My mom had to go for a mammogram. Luckily, again... We're good, but that shit stresses me out. My daughter nearly had to move to Calgary. My, my ex-wife moved, her mom. My daughter nearly left. That freaked me out. I couldn't sleep for five days, but we worked it out. I didn't need to post it on Facebook for everybody in the world to see. It's none of their business. Sometimes I will. Sometimes I won't. Just saying, buddy. I love you. You're a good guy. And everybody goes through it. Okay. Now, you know what? I got to get going. I don't know how long I've been yapping, but uh, I got to get going. So I'll leave you all with some music. Okay. Um, I'm going to re recommend, I don't know if I even, people know I, I, I love the Beatles and maybe I, 
saturate my music talk with the Beatles at times, but I often recommend albums at the end of these podcasts, as you know, for anybody that's new, you don't. And uh, I don't know if I haven't been doing it as much lately, but I usually do. And I'm Beatles centric and I, I try to go off the map here and there, but I, lo I love them and I don't talk about their albums enough. Being, being that it's my podcast, I have a tattoo of the Beatles and my daughter's name is Penny Lane. Without getting right into it, I just think they transcend music. They change the world. And um, even if you don't like their music, chances are the band or, or the people or the music influences that you do like, if you like music, were influenced by the Beatles in one way or another. They were simply the most creative, innovative band to ever come along. Timing had a big part of that. Um in that TVs and the movements and the culture and the, the way, you know, th there was a perfect storm of things happening and, and they were creative and everything from, you know, my, my, a, a small thing no one even thinks about. Each one of them wrote and performed a song at one point. There was like, there was this clear front man. I love the stones. I love Jesus, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Think of all those, but there's a front man. Right? Um, Belinda Carlisle, front woman, whatever. Just front man, front, I'd like to include women when I can on here. And uh, I often ignore that side as well. Um, what was it? The Go Go's, the Bangles, L7. I got some great female bands that I'll get into at some point as well. But anyway, the Beatles. So, Revolver, if you listen to early Beatles, you know, She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, Twist and Shout, it's all great. Twist and Shout's not even their song, right? That was the Isley Brothers. Um, as the Beatles went on, though, it's pretty much all their own stuff. At the beginning, they would pepper in other people like Buddy Holly. Um, they put out a couple Chuck Berry songs. They didn't do many covers, but Twist and Shout is one. They really changed it, but that's a cover song. But Revolver is when they really, in my mind, started to change. I say Sgt. Pepper is the most wonderful, creative, inspirational, important album ever. But I won't get into that. This is Revolver that came right before it, and they're starting to think outside the box. Think album art, too. Album art, simply the front of the album. Think of anything before that. I don't know, Frank Sinatra, Elvis, Bo Diddley. It's the label picking what's going to go on the front. You look at the Beatles cover art when they start to get really into it. The late Beatles, when they stopped touring and everything, which is around this time, they couldn't hear themselves and they didn't want to waste time touring. They loved the studio. They started to create. So Revolver comes along. Now, I, I could explain it, but I've got this book called The Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. So I'm just going to read you. This was before the new reiteration of it, where everything had to go, you know. Now they're trying to be inclusive and change history. The new 500, I think, you know, it's, it's just turned on its head for many reasons. I think it'll meet in the middle. I don't think you can change history, and the Beatles are still the most important band, no matter what you say. So this is the old iteration of the time. This revolver would be number three. So as far as all the critics, and not this is voted on by music musicians more than anything, um, People in the know. Number three, Revolver. And I'm just going to read it out. 1966. 
I don't see too much difference between revolver and rubber sole, George Harrison once said. To me, they could be volume one and volume two. Revolver extends the more adventurous aspects of its predecessor in, in introspection. It's psychedelia, it's fascination with the possibilities of the studio into a dramatic statement of generational purpose. I couldn't have said that any better. The album, which was released in August 1966, made it thrillingly clear that what we know, what we now know and think of as 60s was fully and irreversibly underway. Part of that revolutionary impulse was visual. Klaus Wormann, one of the Beatles' artist buddies from their days in Hamburg, Germany, designed a striking photo collage cover for Revolver. It was a crucial step on the road to the even trippier, more colorful imagery of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which would come less than a year later. And then there's the music. The most innovative track on the album is John Lennon's Tomorrow Never Knows. Attempting to distill an LSD trip into a three-minute song, Lennon borrowed lyrics from Timothy Leary's version of the Tibetan Book of the Dead and recorded his vocal to sound like the Dalai Lama singing from the highest mountaintop. Tape loops, a backward guitar part, and a droning tam- tambora completed the experiment- experimental effect, and the song proved hugely influential. Sorry about that. For his part on Eleanor Rigby and For No One, McCartney mastered a strikingly mature form of an art song, and Harrison with Taxman, I Want to Tell You and Love You Too, challenged Lennon McCartney's songwriting dominance. Revolver finally signaled that in popular music, anything, any theme, any musical idea could now be realized. And in the case of the Beatles, would be. So there you go. So my favorite on it is Eleanor Rigby. And I've always said this, one listen of Eleanor Rigby, and it should remind you of how great the Beatles were. Listen to it and take the lyrics out. It becomes a classical song that the untrained ear could mistake for Beethoven or Mozart. Uh, There's just so much going on. Some of these songs you'll never hear because they weren't released on the radio. Tomorrow Never Knows, unless you're a Beatles song, you'll never hear it. But it's true. It's an, it's an LSD trip into a three-minute song, and they meant it like that. And it's fucking trippy. And at the end, it starts to go backwards and in and out, and you're like, what is this? But what happened three or four years later? The birth of Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all of a sudden concept albums. And I mean, listen to one song. by Listen to the, uh, listen to the wall the album without even going to dark side of the moon or any of those right dark side of the moon even what's the song money right and it's got the cash register right the whole song all of that goes back the beatles were in the studio doing like making wave thing back in the ussr not on this album but right it opens up with the plane with the jet airplane coming in it's landing those sounds outside of music or, mu- or or instruments and musicians that was uh you know that was just stuff that wasn't being done and you can hear their influence as music goes on so some people have jason momoa is one of them um uh, jamo will go oh fuck the beatles man i like led zeppelin i'm like well 
kind of a catch-22. Like if, if you do like Led Zeppelin, there has to be elements of the Beatles that you enjoy because it's taken right from it. And I don't mean ripped off. There's a difference in inspiring and ripping off. Uh, anyway, that's my two cents. That's what I'm recommending this week. Revolver by the Beatles. In this day and age of short attention spans and clicks, you know, and short TV series versus movies, sit back, put your fucking phone away, smoke a joint or have a glass of wine. Or if you're not into that, turn off the lights, get in the bathtub, put yourself somewhere mentally that you're not normally press fucking play on revolver. And listen to it from front to back and remind yourself this came out in 1966, not 96, in 1966. And if you're really feeling adventurous, at the end, look at the charts from 1966. Play what was being played in 1955 and 1966 before this came out. And then you'll really realize the impact of Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, and the Beatles, and you'll appreciate and you'll know why Paul McCartney is 80 years old and he's still touring the planet, giving that gift to other people like me that still enjoy the music. Check out Penny Posh Designs. Check out Wedgwood, Wedgwood Cafe for all your catering needs. Stop into the restaurant. Great guy, Peter Wedgwood. Awesome chef. My friend, Elizabeth Avenue. Go check it out. Check out the Bull and Barrel Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, and of course, Greensleeves, my favorite watering spots. Uh, Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water. Why not go down there for a great fucking meal whenever you can? Support local, like I always say. I'm in Newfoundland, and uh, I'm heading out to the Point Rexton and the Dildo Brewery soon. We're doing a little microbrewery tour, so stay tuned for that. And I recommend the same, whatever province or state or part of the world you're in. Get out and support some local. True hockey sticks. Take what's yours. And finally, the Chicklets Cup, 21st to the 23rd. No space. I am pissed off. I am kind of joking. Um, I know you're a good guy deep down, but uh, I'm coming to win, baby. And I'm coming to play hard. And if that means that your fucking shins get a bruising, that's what it means. So sack up, gear up, and uh, we're coming. May the best team win. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Ken Reed tomorrow on 112B. We're going to get Ken's thoughts on some current and future sports situations and conundrums. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Have yourselves an unreal fucking week and weekend. I'll be back soon for more Tales with TR. Catch you all on the rebound. I'm out. <laughs>